Good morning, Gretna Church. This is Pastor Rob. We are so happy to have you with us today as we do our best to worship the Lord. Uh, we know that we had some glitches last week. Some things didn't go quite as expected. Uh, it's because those of us who were watching church that Sunday morning actually broke the internet. We were not the only ones to have challenges, but we did. We hope it will go better this week. Let me give you some reminders real quick. If you look off to your right-hand side, there is a chat room over there. There are people there waiting to chat with you, to pray with you. They can pull you into a private prayer time. If you'd like, whatever you need, we are here for you. If you offer a prayer, would like it added to our prayer list, we can do that too. I would also like to ask you if you have a chance to go to our website. It's also up here in the corner somewhere. If you go there, uh, you can check out things that we're doing outside of just meeting on Sunday mornings. You can also catch a replay of today, as well as a, a podcast of, of past sermons and our calendar. We're hoping to put that to a whole lot more use here in the near future. Uh, there are Bible studies beginning to start. There are people reaching out to one another. And we hope that you've been contacted by your shepherding team, if you're a member of Gretna here, within the last week or so, um, as we try to bond and, and grow closer together, even in the midst of all of this challenge. I'm going to offer us a prayer to start, and then Daniel is going to lead us in some worship time. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful, so thankful that we have the opportunity to worship you, that that in such a difficult time as this, that, that you allow us to worship together and yet apart at the same time. Technology can actually help, and for that we are so grateful. We are mindful of those in our country and across the world who are sick, who have contracted this, this virus, and we pray that you will bring them healing, that you will help us to discover treatments that will make the burden lighter, that will keep those we love safe, and we pray beyond anything else that this time that we share together glorifies you and strengthen one another. It's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, great. Now, we had a little bit of a technical snafu there in the recording. Hopefully, we'll get that all cut out because I don't think you want to hear what we heard, do you? Not at all. Not at all. So, uh, this is week two of our alternative way of gathering. Uh, and uh, I was really encouraged to see the number of you that were able to communicate and able to connect. Uh, yes, we had some challenges last week. We hope that, that those are repaired this week. Um, if not, you know, maybe we'll go down a different road. This is a work in progress. In case you had noticed, your screen may look a little different this week. Why? Because this is a work in progress. We will get it because we know our Lord is faithful, right? We will get it down. Just give us some time. And we really appreciate you being here today. I hope, again, that you've had some time to, to connect with your shepherds this week. I hope that you've had an opportunity to maybe dig into your scriptures a little more to, to redeem this time of being home. I hope you've taken the example of Greg Culp and his family who were out cooking on the grill on a beautiful day a couple days ago. I hope you've taken the chance to do that, to do some things that maybe you don't always have time for. I don't know about you, but, but I'm getting a little stir-crazy. Um, you know, I love to fish, but I don't love to fish when it's cold. So I've been sitting around the house and, and going, oh, why can't the weather break? Why can't the weather break? And it, it did the other day. The weather broke, and, and I was thinking, man, I should go fishing, but I might run into somebody at quarantine. And, and my wife's like, the fish don't care about the quarantine, and nobody's going to come near you. So you just go fishing, and you will be fine. 
I think I talked to Gregory earlier today about it. He was talking about how um, he just felt like he was cooped up, like he was stuck somewhere. And in some respects, we are, right? We're not able to interact with one another the way we would like. We're not able to, to go out nearly as often as we, as we did habitually before. Um, but keep in mind, we are not trapped inside. You can leave your house anytime you want. And, and though you cannot meet with other people, you can meet up with God's creation. I noticed the other day as I was looking out, looking down at the flowers, we noticed that the, the greens, our flocks, are starting, starting to turn green around the front of our house. And I saw some crocuses popping out from under the, the dirt. And, you know, Bob was, was flattening the lawn, preparing it, getting ready to mow. And we've seen trees bud. And, and frogs, frogs are everywhere around here. Just in the morning and in the evening, you can just hear them chirping and chirping and chirping. And those, I don't know about you, but for me, those are reminders that God is still present. Those are reminders that our God is a God of renewal. And those are reminders that though we may feel anxious and we may feel concerned and we may um, be nervous or upset or stir crazy, um, that there is an eternity that is far greater than what we're feeling right now. And it's those things that I want to kind of get into today, right? We're going to get into Matthew chapter 6. If you have a Bible at home, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. It'll be up on the screen. And Jesus is, is talking to here to some people about their anxieties and their goals and their focuses and their priorities. And I thought it appropriate as Jesus talks about how we should handle worry, and fear. In this time, it seems like an appropriate topic. And of course, the Word of God has something for us to hear. So let's, let's go to that. Matthew 6, 25 through 30, 34, read with me. It says, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. It isn't, isn't life more than food and body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his life by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, what will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear, or, or for the Gentiles, they eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you, singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Sorry, it's a song. I sidetracked. And therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, I, I want to first try to clarify what this, this passage doesn't say. It doesn't say, don't prepare for anything, right? 
Proverbs 22, verse 3 says this. It says, a sensible person sees danger and takes cover, but the inexperienced keep going and are punished for it. Clearly, the Lord desires us to, to move with wisdom, to act in following his word, and yes, to prepare and to be smart and to not expose ourselves to undue threats that we don't need to be involved in. I saw a story about a, a gentleman who was on the, on the news in Florida last week um, saying, I don't care about this virus or that virus, whatever. It's spring break, I'm partying, and then three days later he gets diagnosed with it. There is wisdom in being prepared. There is wisdom in doing the right things. And as I said last week, there is care and love and consideration for others. Even if the disease, this virus isn't going to affect you, it might affect them. I was listening to Dr. Francis Collins. He's the director of the National Institutes of Health, and he was talking about this. He's also a deep man of faith, and that's important because the godly perspective is the one we should be listening to in these times above all the other voices around us. And he says that this is more contagious than the flu because it's asymptomatic for several days. Many of you might know all this. Um, it has a 10 times higher mortality rate than the flu. And that he's never seen anything like this in his lifetime. So I, I want us to understand that this text that we just read about not worrying about tomorrow and not worrying about whether or not God will protect you, that is certainly, utterly, totally, and completely true. But not, God is not asking you to be, what does it say, a fool, inexperienced. God does not want you to, to throw your wisdom out the door. He wants you to use it. And in this time, in this place, we have kind of a new normal in our world. Uh, some of the experimenting we're doing with the changing frame sizes and the insets and the different things that you've seen, um, and, and even the internet crashing last week, those are indicators of our new normal, Right? where we were not prepared to, to, for the workload that, that was going to be put on the Internet, that stress of all of us coming to church on a Sunday. I guess we should have been, and it's a good problem to have, but we weren't. We were not prepared for that, and, and things suffered for it. I don't know about you, but I'm conditioned in, this, in my old normal that if I needed to find something really quick and have it here in a day or two, what did I do? Amazon, right? And ordered on Amazon, Amazon Prime, it'd be here in two days. Guess what? Amazon Prime is not delivering in two days now. It's a new normal. There are electronics shortages. I've been trying to find a webcam. Nope. Can't find one anywhere, at least not a decent one. This is a new normal for us. It's a different thing. It's a different time, and it is a big deal. It is like nothing this generation, at least my generation and those who follow me, have never seen. We are called to remember that, to show wisdom in the face of such adversity. And I, I, I want to say this too. I, I don't say all these things to frighten anybody or to scare you because you've been hearing it on the news every day, reading in the newspaper, if you still get that, seeing it um, on TV or listening to it on the radio or seeing it on the internet. It's everywhere. You can't get away from it. So I'm not trying to beat you up about it. But I am trying to say that simply ignoring it doesn't make it untrue. And I'm also telling you to say that what our scripture tells us this morning, what it does say, is trust God with the outcome. 
Because regardless of the moment we are in, the time we are in, and the fears and anxieties that we have, the outcome, the victory is God's. And that is something that we need to hold on to with all of who we are in uncertain times. Knowing that no matter what happens in this moment, and it is a moment, eternity is his. And what he promises us is his to discern and to decide, and he has offered us the kingdom as followers, as his people. And to know that we are in his hands in the midst of turmoil should be a settling thing and not a, not a thing that breeds worry or fear or anxiety. And it's anxiety that I really want to focus on this morning. The thing that I really want to dial in is this idea of worry and, and concern and being anxious and feeling trapped in a house or, or feeling like you just you can't, you can't breathe spiritually, emotionally, or maybe even physically because that seems to be taking over. The truth is it was taking over this country well before this little hiccup in history. And, and I think it's important that we address it because it's only exacerbated by our situation. So we, human beings, generally get stuck between the notion of being prepared and being ready and being honest and true about what is happening and then being anxious about what is happening, worrying about where it's going to go from here. And Jesus' words of wisdom, right, are critical to helping us understand that. John Piper, in a scripture, or a, scripture <laughs> a text that's going to come up on your screen, I think puts great words to this. It says, think about how many other sins are connected to the root sin of anxiety. Anxiety about money will cause you to hoard or steal. Anxiety about succeeding will make you irritable and impatient with those around you. Anxiety about relationships will make you withdrawn or indifferent toward other people. Anxiety about what others think about you will make you lie and stretch the truth. If anxiety could be conquered, a mortal blow would be struck to many other sins. I think it's true. I think when we are anxious... We seek solace in things we shouldn't. We make decisions we wouldn't otherwise because we're worried about our safety or our security or our health. We treat people poorly because we don't have time for them. We're too busy being worried about us. And I think, I think Piper's statement here is accurate. I think it's an accurate representation of the fact that it leads into those other things that also pull us away from God. So what does our text tell us about how to handle this? this is, Jesus makes three points in this passage about anxiety. He says, first this, anxiety makes too little of life itself. If we go back to the verse before this section, he's talking about money. In verse 24 of Matthew 6, it says, no one can serve two masters since either, will, either he will hate one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There's a, a contrast there. That word in verse 25, life, right? That, that, that life that we talked about in our source text today, it's suke, it's breath, it's, it's, a, it's a physical life. So in Matthew 20, 
6.25, when Jesus says, don't worry about your life, he's saying, don't worry about this, this physical moment, this bump in your eternity, which is really hard to do because I'm living in the now and I'm experiencing the now. And the idea of just ignoring a bump in my life or the difficulty or the challenges or what we're going through right now is hard. The problem is that this, this worry or anxiety shifts our focus from eternal things to what at the end of the day, at the end of eternity, are meaningless things. And anxiety disorders, just to quote you some numbers, anxiety disorders are more prevalent in, believe it or not, developed countries than undeveloped countries. You know, all the things that we've learned to take for granted, healthcare, um, cars that work, thanks Dave, homes, heating, lights, being able to go to Walmart and, and uh, find milk and toilet paper in the same trip, which I did this week, and I was like, it's a victory, right? Those are things that we would consider to be part of what it live, means to live in a developed nation. Those are things that we lean on often and say these are the things that, that make us comfortable and safe and secure. And yet, our anxiety levels in this nation, let me give you an example. Let's see, generalized anxiety disorder in, in, the, in, the, um, in developed nations is about 8%. That's just a generalized anxiety. It means it doesn't fit into another category of anxiety disorder. In a third world country, let's go with Nigeria, it's 0.8%. If we're going to look at all anxiety disorders, America, on the average, right now, 20% of all Americans suffer from some anxiety disorder. 20, it's one in five. There are five people in this room right now. Chances are one of us, at least, suffers from some type of anxiety disorder. Ethiopia. You know, the one that over the last 25 or 30 years has had repeated famines and, and food shortages and, and droughts and disease. Um, they're one in 10, not one in five. It's interesting to me that, that we would be anxious about things, losing things, that at the end of the day, people in less developed countries don't have it all and are far less anxious. Again, this text, as Jesus was leaning into this text, he's leading into a discussion about having two masters. What is, what is, and the notion that you cannot serve both equally. And I wonder if this isn't an opportunity for us to stop we feel anxious and recognize that maybe we've put ourselves in with the wrong master. Maybe we've served the master of stuff, the master of safety, the master of security, and just trying to keep him happy makes us anxious when we should have been serving the Lord. To do so, you know, being because the value of our lives is reduced to meaningless things rather than the pursuit of God, we are left 
wanting, always wanting, always not thinking things are enough, always going, when is it going to disappear? When is it going to go away? No wonder we're anxious. The truth is the only thing that's not is God. God doesn't go away. Which leads us into the second thing, this anxiety that we often feel and that some of us are feeling even more so right now minimizes God's faithfulness. In verses 29 and 30 of our source text today, it says, Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. Talking about the flowers, right? And it says, If that's how God closes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much for you of little faith? John MacArthur says this, this anxiety is, is unnecessary. It is not of the people of God. It demonstrates a lack of faith. He says it's unnecessary because of who your father is, who God is. It is uncharacteristic because if we profess a faith that is based in trust, right? Based in trusting that the Lord will fulfill his promises, that the Lord who said, I will be with you till the end of the age, means he will be with you till the end of the age. And that the Lord who says, I have produced, I'm building a house in heaven with many rooms for us to be in, that he is doing exactly that. And MacArthur also says it's unwise because of your future. If our eternity is with God, then should we really be made anxious by the difficulty of a moment? And that's, that's all well and good and easy for me to stand here and say that. <laughs> but but the, the truth is that it can sometimes be really hard. It can sometimes be really hard. And it requires a level of trust that needs cultivating. The more you lean into God over the course of your life intentionally, in times of difficulty or challenge or worry or concern or whatever that is, the more you lean into God, the more he proves himself to be faithful. And the more he proves himself to be faithful in light of eternity rather than of the moment. One of my favorite stories in all the scriptures is, is the story in Daniel 3 of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And how they are, they are thrust into a fire by the king, by Nebuchadnezzar, because they refuse to worship him. Instead, they say, I'm going to worship God no matter what. And he essentially throws them in there with the idea that, well, let's see if your God saves you. And their response, their response is unbelievable. It says in, in Daniel 3, 16 through 18, it says, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us, faith. Then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king, all the earthly things that we are so afraid of, that these guys had every reason to be afraid of because he's throwing them into a fire, right? The earthly powers that be, and they said, he can rescue us from you, king, but this is where the faith is amazing. It says, but even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. The 
it is, is in times when, like this, when, when these gentlemen are in, in the fire, right, literally in the fire, where there is no other way out other than God himself to insist and assert that even if this moment, this, this life here on earth does end, they would not give up their allegiance to the things of God. They would not turn away from him and declare him anything but their master. Talk about a peace in the midst of a fire, right? No fear of what might become to them. No, no fear of what a king might do to them. No fear of the flames. It's, hey, look, we know God can do this. And if he wants to do this, he will do this. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. But even if he doesn't, it's okay. How much more do we have as his followers here and now, knowing, knowing that as followers of Jesus Christ, his faithfulness abounds. That no matter what is happening and spinning around right now, his faithfulness abounds. And our eternity is secure in him. These are the things that I think if we're wise, in, in times when we're anxious, we're upset, we're reminding ourselves, we're reminding ourselves of God's faithfulness. We're reminding our, ourselves of, of the value of eternal life over momentary life. We're reminding ourselves of the things that really matter, that are really important. Family, friends, and above all else, the pursuit of the Lord God and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. I hope that in this time of difficulty, you found a minute or two to, to do that, to recalibrate some of your priorities. Because if, if we're trying to live up to what was normal before this, we're trying to hold on to what we've always had, you're going to spend a lot of time anxious. We're going to spend a lot of time upset we're going to spend a lot of time feeling insecure and worried. The thief may come, but God will watch over us for all time. It's not about the stuff. And if we're able to put down the stuff, maybe the anxiety goes away too. The third thing we get from the scripture is this. Anxiety is a false prophet. It offers false solutions, makes false promises, and offers false predictions. Verse 27 says, Can any of you add one moment to your life span by worrying? Worrying, anxiety, they don't change anything. Being upset doesn't change anything. It doesn't make more milk appear at Walmart. It doesn't make it so you can go talk to your friends personally and shake hands and hug again. Worrying doesn't solve the problem. And if, if our goal is to get past the problem, to change the circumstances, being anxious about it probably is not going to help. In fact, it's probably going to pull you back 
toward the thing you're trying to get to because or, or get away from. Because sometimes if you're trying to get away from something that's making you concerned or worried, that takes a lot of energy. And if you're giving it to anxiety, you might not have what you need to get out. Anxiety also fails this false prophet test. In the Old Testament, you know what the definition of a false prophet and a true prophet were? You know? With a true prophet, everything they said came true. 100% everything they said came true. The definition of a false prophet is that it didn't. Everything didn't come true that they said would come true. They did some pretty nasty things to false prophets in the Old Testament. Usually it involved death. I'm not advocating killing anybody. I am advocating maybe killing the anxiety that keeps us asking what if with every step that we take. What if every time something doesn't go our way? What if every time something surprises? What if I make the wrong choice? What if I touch the wrong thing? What if, what if, you could what if yourself until you were crazy. Anxiety does that. This, this all, comes, all comes down to understanding that in some ways, feeling this way is a natural part of what it means to be a human being. And I'm not saying there aren't chemical imbalances or, or things that cause it to be more difficult. I will tell you openly and honestly, I take an anxiety pill every day. So everything I'm hearing, I'm, I'm, everything I'm saying today applies 100% to Rob. But I will tell you this. I would be remiss to say that the medication doesn't help some of it. But I'll tell you bluntly, the greatest peace I find has nothing to do with a pill everything to do with my God. It is perspective that he gives, this long view of everything that, that reminds me what I should be worried about and there are things I should be worried about and what things aren't worth the time of day. They aren't worth an ounce of my energy they aren't worth a bit of my fear or my concern or my strife or my worry. And though it is a challenge every day because I'm a human being just like everybody else, I take comfort in knowing that my God is not a false prophet, that my God is a true prophet in more ways than we could possibly imagine. That my God is eternally faithful. That my God sent his son to die for me so that I could have eternal life. And you can too, if you've made a choice to follow him. That is the thing. Picking who your master is. 
that will get you over that hump of worry and fear and anxiety or whatever it is that's gripping you right now. It is him and only him. Don't make the mistake that I did for many years of saying, yeah, yeah, I get that part, but I need this or I need that or I need this activity or that activity or this fear or that fear or or if I really don't have enough food, what's going to happen to me? Clearly that has never happened to me. I'm fine. Remember who your God is. Lean into him in these difficult times. Lean into him when you feel trapped. Lean into him when you feel like the fire is burning. Lean into him because he can rescue you. And even if he doesn't, he does. Thank you. God bless. I would love to have you all come forward. I did. I I do this at regular church too. I'm so bad at giving cues. It's horrible. They're going to close us out with a song. I believe it's a Revelation song, yeah? That's a wonderful song to end on. We're going to do that, and I'm going to close this in prayer. And again, uh, our folks will be, will be on after it's over today, we hope. That's the plan. If you have extra prayers or want to chat some more, please, please do stay on. I'll get out of your way. You guys did great. Thank you. Father God, um, thank you this clan behind me. Thank you for their willingness to use the gifts that you have given them to glorify you and to strengthen us. Lord God, I'm reminded of Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, right? Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle in spirit and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I pray that in this time when it's easy to find ourselves burdened with many things, that we would find and remember that the true rest for our souls comes in you. We are able to cast our worries and our fears upon you and allow you to take the reins, allow you to walk alongside us and carry the yoke allow you to guide us into eternity, into heaven, regardless of what is happening in this moment in time. Lord, I pray safety upon those who are ill. I am especially mindful of Keith and Deb as Keith continues to battle his challenges. I know you are with that family. I hear it in their voice. I pray that you will uplift them Uplift their souls. Help them to remember that you are there, that you are faithful and true. Lord God, I am thankful for your mercies. We are thankful for your grace. We are thankful for your eternal love. And we are thankful for your son. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. Have a great week.